0: Alright, we're live on the Foul Balls podcast. First time guest, Chris Shrump, a uh, former college dorm mate, uh, beer league line mate, and uh, NHL on Xbox rival, I guess. is uh, That's the things that you're most notable for. So <laughs> w- welcome, Chris, and we're going to break down some hockey for tonight's DraftKings slate.
1: Thank you very much. I'm excited to go through this with
0: you. All right, so let's start it off. We're going to go game by game, I guess. There are a few of them that we can kind of just go over quickly. So we can start with your Washington Capitals against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Bob Brodsky got the night off last night, so he's going to be starting, and the betting line movement actually favors him a lot. So the total in this game dropped from five and a half to almost five. It's almost a half-goal move, which is one of the more significant ones for the night and the lines also gone against the Capitals, even with the public kind of on the Capitals in the over. So the sharps in Vegas seem to think that Columbus can prevent goals pretty well. And I guess there's a lot of variance in Columbus when it comes to goal prevention because they're really good five on five, but they're bad on the penalty kill. So if the Caps can score on the power play, it could be a big night for them. But five on five, it's probably going to be tough for them to generate a lot of chances.
1: Yeah. So. The Caps' power play, though, is not nearly as lethal as it's been in years past. They haven't been clicking on all cylinders, and a lot of that has to do with uh, Matt Niskanen being out for a while. Um, because everybody thinks that John Carlson uh, runs the point on the first power play, but the last couple of years has actually been Niskanen. So they haven't they haven't been they're good, but they're not great on the power play like they've been. You know, they've been top three in the league for the top for the last four or five years on power play. Now, now, Washington's been struggling to score five-on-five. Five, and I think they're like 18th or, or 19th in the league in total goals for. Um, now, to f- fix that, they put Ovechkin and Backstrom back on the same line. But they haven't been exactly lighting it up. And they scored one goal, granted, against another good goalie uh, quick on Thursday night, I believe. Yep. So I, I, I would... Um, I kind of my my intuition and uh, kind of aligns with what you were saying with the under being the better pick here
0: yeah so Bobrovsky's actually really cheap for this matchup he's only at 7500 so kind of just scanning the goalie prices I think he's my favorite goalie that I would use independent of correlation with his team so I don't really think it's a good spot for Columbus either second night of a back- to-back they're in Washington hope he's one of the better goalies in the league. Not really a great spot for Columbus to score a lot of goals, but I think Bobrovsky. If there's any player to use from either team, that's the guy I would pick. And there isn't really another game where I just like the goalie and no one else. I think this is the only game that sets up that way.
1: Well, it, it comes down to how much you value that uh, winning winning the game bonus that you get from the goalie. Because I think I agree with you. I could see Bobrovsky having twenty nine saves on thirty one shots or whatever, which is a great game. So could be steal the game and make it a 2-1 game and you don't get that bonus? I agree with you completely. I would not actually play anybody else on these teams. Uh, maybe Bobrovsky, but nobody else.
0: Yeah, so Holt is about the same price, but Bobrovsky will probably be pretty contrarian because the Caps are favored. So I think people will, it's kind of what you were saying, people are looking for that win bonus. That's usually the biggest factor when it comes to how much ownership a goalie gets. And the Caps are favored, so maybe people flock to Holtby. It is the second night of a back-to-back for Columbus, so it does look like the public also likes the Caps here. So the perception... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, just the perception could be that Holtby is a lot more likely to get the win than Bobrovsky. So I think Bobrovsky could be extremely contrarian. And if he does get the win, then there's a lot of upside there. But it's certainly not a safe pick.
1: I think the Caps are also a popular pick here because um, they have... They seem to be good on home ice. Now they were—they had a long winning streak on home ice, or a long, I guess, point streak on home ice. They did lose a couple games in overtime during that streak. But the beginning of the year and currently, they have not been very impressive on home ice. And their opponents in that in that eight-game uh, point streak, and and I think they won seven out of the eight or six out of the eight in that streak were were very weak. You know, we had like Buffalo at home. So I think, I think there is a little bit too much emphasis on the Caps' home record right now. I don't think they're clicking on all cylinders at all. I would, I don't, I'm not going to touch this game.
0: Well, I'm glad you've been able to remove your Capitals fan bias and uh, agree with me that they're not really at all a strong pick tonight. And glad you mentioned Buffalo, too, because that's, that's the next game we can get to. And this should be the most popular spot for any team The Penguins just won 4-0 in Buffalo last night. Now they're taking on the Sabres. Second game of the home and home. So it's Penguins home versus the Sabres. And Pittsburgh is a massive favorite. The line is minus 230. The over-under for this game opened at 5. It's actually all the way up to 6 now. I don't think I've seen an over-under move a full goal in a hockey game the entire year. So this is pretty substantial. And... Minus 230 with an over-under at 6 is about as high of a goal expectation as a team can have. So a lot of people who look at Vegas lines to determine their picks will be on Pittsburgh. And I do think it's a really strong spot for them. But even on a slate this large where there are 10 games to choose from, I still think the Crosby line, or at least Crosby himself, reaches 20-plus percent ownership. The Malkin line is probably really popular. So I'm going to be mostly fading this game. Just because for tournament strategy, it doesn't make sense to do what everyone else is doing. But mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable with the fade because Pittsburgh could definitely do well against Buffalo here.
1: Yeah, this is a game that I could see being a five-one uh, game. Pittsburgh, does, I mean Pittsburgh on home ice, pretty solid. They already won four nothing the other night. They're just clearly better talented than up and down their lineup than Buffalo. Second night of back to back for both of them, but. Pittsburgh's going to come out, and I think I can just see this being a blowout. Now, if you're not going to play the 1-2 line for the Penguins, you definitely could look at um, playing their goalie, though. I, I think Jari or DeSmith is a pretty solid pick. Buffalo doesn't score. They're near the bottom of the league um, in scoring, and they're even worse on the road.
0: Yeah, my concern, well, if we don't know who the starter yet for the Penguins will be, so it could be Jari or DeSmith. Jari just had a shutout last night, so he'll be really popular too. But if DeSmith is the starter, then maybe he's less popular because it's just not the same person who had the shutout. And DeSmith has very little NHL experience. He, uh, I think he's made one relief appearance in the NHL this year where he was really bad uh, coming in for anti-Niemi and giving up, I think it was two or three goals against the Jets after Niemi had already given up five. And then... Um, He's been good in the AHL, but no real NHL experience. So maybe that's the sort of contrarian pick if the Smith is the starter. But if it's Jari, I don't think I'll use him because I think he'll be too popular.
1: Now, now we just need to backtrack to Anthony Amby. And yeah. How does that guy <laughs> continue to get picked up? How, how do teams take a chance on a guy who has been so bad, he should have been in the minors almost three years ago now. He hasn't played a good game. I think actually his last start was not terrible, but he hasn't played a good game in over three
0: years yeah he's uh really awful and he's been picked up by four different teams this year already uh, i don't know if the canadians have released him but that's his that's the team he's on now or his most recent team it's insane that a goalie could keep getting cut and just keep getting claimed by everyone i mean what is it he's a veteran so people like his veteran presence in the locker room i i have no idea why he's still on an nhl roster but if we see his name pop up as a starting goalie for anyone at any point in the year, I think it's an automatic consideration of whoever's playing against him.
1: Oh, oh, without without a doubt. Yeah, he you know, he he was an absolute disaster in Dallas, completely wrecked their goaltending plan when they went with a two-headed monster. Or just a terrible play by them.
0: Yeah, it's uh <laughs> I guess you can't really call it a monster, but it, it was supposed to be anyway. And uh Niemi, He's been responsible for so many winning lineups in daily fantasy for opposing teams. He gave up seven goals to the Lightning, I think five to the Jets, and there were a couple other bad ones. I don't, I don't know, but he, uh, yeah. The, the point here is that Desmith had to come in as his backup, so it doesn't really say a lot about how ready Casey Desmith is to play in the NHL. But he has been good in the minors, so maybe he, uh, maybe he does well tonight against the Sabers because it is a pretty easy matchup. So let's move on to the next game. The Leafs against the Canucks. I don't have a ton of interest here. It's a really difficult matchup for Toronto. Playing in Vancouver kind of just saps the fantasy potential for any team. They play a pretty low event kind of game. And they're fairly good defensively. They have decent goaltending with Markstrom and Nielsen both having kind of strong seasons. But it's more Mm -hmm. just the pace of the game hurts Toronto a lot. So we've seen the over-under for this game move from six where... The, um, the VIG was at minus 110, but now it's down to minus 130. So the line is trending towards five and a half. The uh, the sharp money definitely seems to be on the under. And the Leafs are only small favorites. So while Toronto is usually pretty popular, I don't think there's a ton of expected output for them. But for Vancouver, the uh, combination of Besser and horvat they were playing with Bersti for a while. They've actually switched up the lines. I don't know if you know this guy, but they've got a rookie playing on the first line with, Horvat Goldobin. and Besser. Yeah, Goldobin. He, I think he had an assist in his first game. This is now his second game in the NHL. I think that trio is one of the cheaper ones that actually has a good amount of upside. So I think you could play those three together. Um, Goldobin wasn't on the first power play unit, though, in the first game. So that kind of hurts him. But if they do put him on the power play, that would be a huge boost. So if we see Goldobin on the power play with Horvat and Besser, that's actually going to be one of my favorite lines. But as it stands, I think they're just sort of decent.
1: Yeah, one of, one of my favorite things to do uh, after you know uh, playing, learning to play this uh, Daily Fantasy hockey is to play this Vancouver one and pair it with another one. They're the only one line that you can actually pair with another one consistently um, because of how cheap they are. I don't know if I love it with a rookie in his second game at left wing now, especially because uh, uh, Bereshi was on the power play too. I kind of would avoid this game completely as well.
0: Yeah, I guess it changes a lot if Goldobin does get moved to the power play. But yeah, at, at present time, we don't know. And it, it probably is the case that he just won't be on the power play. So I don't know. We're, we're going to get to some cheaper spots that are better. I think it does make sense to fade it. It kind of just depends how many lineups you're making. If, if For me, if I'm doing 20 lineups, I think they find their way into one or two of them, even without the power play correlation. But it's not it's not one of the better spots unless we get that lineup change.
1: Matt, did you want to talk about uh, your lineup strategies now?
0: Oh yeah, this is uh, definitely this is something I've sort of been changing recently. So I was playing twenty lineups per night for the whole season, but more recently I've adjusted the strategy where I play fewer lineups if there's a really chalky team that I'm fading. So the logic is if there's one really obvious spot that is sort of a, it, it makes sense as a pick. Uh, the example I used before we started is if this Pittsburgh game against Buffalo happened during a four or five game slate, then the ownership on Pittsburgh would be really high in the three, five, eight dollar tournaments. But it'd be even higher in the let's say thirty and forty dollar tournaments. So if you're going to fade a really chalky team, it makes more sense to play where the ownership on that team is even higher. Because if you're going to bet bet against a team that everyone's using, you want as many people to be using them as possible. So if you're right, you can. Take you can have the advantage on even more of the playing field. Um, for tonight with 10 games, even though there's going to be some high-owned teams, there's never anyone that high-owned with 10 games. Uh, I mentioned Crosby as 20-plus percent. On a four- or five-game slate, he could be 40 or 50%. So on a slate this large, I definitely think the 20 lineups are the way to go or just more lineups than you ordinarily would make. But I am talking about the same total money. It's just plenty. Con- condensing your money into just one or two combinations for more expensive tournaments or spreading it out where you're doing more combinations in less expensive tournaments.
1: Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Now, do we know who's playing uh, goalie for Vancouver tonight?
0: Uh, it's The probable starter is Markstrom, but they haven't confirmed it yet. I think Nielsen started the last game and they've kind of just been alternating them, so it makes sense it would be Markstrom, but he hasn't been officially announced yet. And he actually, I think, could be a decent play. He's only at 7,300. Um, I like Bobrovsky a lot more as an individual goalie play. There's, mm-hmm. I think it's more likely Bobrovsky gets the win and he's just a better goalie and probably an easier matchup. But Markstrom, I think, is worth considering also. Uh,
1: okay, let's move on to Detroit-Montreal.
0: All right. I don't have a ton of interest in this game. I think it, it would be a really good spot for Montreal against Mrazic. But Jonathan Druin's out, and Shea Weber's questionable, so it just hurts the it hurts the whole offense for Montreal. They did do really well. They just played in Detroit in their last game and scored six goals, and they didn't have either of those guys. But I think that was sort of an anomaly. They didn't have a ton of shots, and Jimmy Howard just had a really bad game. So, Oh, I, mean,
1: I, I know. He's my non-daily fantasy hockey uh, second goalie, and he put up like negative 23 points the other night, <laughs> got killed by them.
0: Yeah, that, um, that was more just bad goaltending than I think good offense by Montreal.
1: I agree, but Montreal has been scoring a lot more. I, I think I think for sure this is one of the most attractive lines that Drun is playing. I think that Peter Mrazik is not very good. He hasn't played very well. Um, you know, if you, it's crazy because if you think back a couple years ago, uh, they were about to ship Jimmy Howard out the door and have just ride with Mrazik. That would be a bad of, as bad of a decision as signing Anthony Emmy now. In hindsight, huh? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's so, hard to be as bad, but close for sure.
1: Close. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anything in like that eighty-five to eighty-eight save percentage range, you should just get shot.
0: Yeah, and um, there are uh, some goalies we're going to get to that are in that range also.
1: Just terrible. No, so I would look at Montreal one maybe. Um, they're pretty. They're really cheap, but. Montreal one doesn't have Patcharreddy, and he's their leading scorer, so or one of their leading scorers, and probably, maybe he's second to Druin. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I know they're both at the top in terms of scoring for their team. Um, with Druin out, Patcharreddy is the most attractive forward on that team, and uh, and I don't know if you want to, I don't know if you want to take the risk with Platanits, a fourth liner, and Shaw on his wings. So maybe, um, maybe I think they're understand. actually
0: shuffling the lines, though. I'm looking at it now, and it seems like they're now going to go with Shaw, Deneau, and Pacioretty together. So I think that's a usable combo, if that's mm-hmm. the case. The Canadians also, um, it's annoying when you have teams like this. The Canadians, I think, shuffle their lines mid-game more than any other team in the NHL. There was some stat I read on it recently. Yeah, where they Cla- were, Cla- uh,
1: what it Cla- their coach is Claude Julian. He's like notorious for doing that. He loves doing that.
0: All right, good. So anecdotally, it seems true also. That's good. But yeah, I'm looking at the line combinations on a couple different sites now. It does look like Pacioretty, Deneau, and Shaw are going to start together. So that's probably a usable line. But I think there are just better spots that we haven't gotten to yet for similar prices. So I probably won't use them. I think I'd like Montreal a lot if Druin was playing. But without him, I don't know. There's a lot of good choices on this site that we haven't even touched yet. So I think you'll probably agree once we've gotten there that those teams are better to use.
1: Oh, absolutely. All right, so we're going to skip over the San Jose and Tampa Bay game, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, let me just mention why I'm fading it first, because Tampa Bay was the highest-owned team. I'm not sure if if they continue to be the highest-owned, but there was a while where they would dominate ownership on every night, no matter who they were playing, and they've kind of struggled recently. They were outshot pretty heavily by Boston in their last game. They've had a couple recent losses, and... Playing against San Jose is a really bad matchup for scoring. San Jose, I think, is last in the league in goals scored, but they're also last they're first in the league in goals against. They've allowed the fewest goals. Martin Jones is playing tonight. Um, he got the night off last night. So it's just it's it's not an ideal situation for Tampa. And then San Jose is pretty bad at scoring too. So I I think it's really easy to just stay away from this game.
1: Yeah, I want to say over the last two weeks or so you've seen Tampa come back down to earth a lot, a lot more. Their scoring's down. The goaltending has still been solid for them, but they've lost a bunch of games more than they were at the beginning of the year. I, uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough with Tampa because Kucherov, Stamkos, and Nemetsikov line is by far the best line so far this year. And you know, if you have, if you fade this game, which I'm going to do. Uh, you know, it just takes one or two power play goals from them to, you know, basically bury your lineup between, uh, by, by the, behind everybody else who did play them. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to avoid this game tonight. I think San Jose is good enough defensively. Like you said, they are they are at the top in terms of least goals uh, allowed. I know they don't score. It's just going to be a low scoring game, I think. Um, should we move into, where are we at? Buffalo Pittsburgh now?
0: Um, Buffalo Pittsburgh. So, oh uh, yeah, well, I can, Mention one more thing on that, because I guess we already talked about Buffalo-Pittsburgh, but the ownership, I think, won't be on Tampa, because it's it's going to be mostly on Pittsburgh, and it'll kind of be spread out around the rest of the teams. So it's not ownership why I don't like the Lightning. It's just they're expensive, for one. It's it's very pricey to use their players, and you need like a really, really cheap second line to make it work salary-wise with them within the roster construction. But it's just—it's yeah, so, not a great matchup, and they're very expensive. I think there's actually more goal output that you can expect from much cheaper lines.
1: So what I was kind of uh, saying earlier about how that Vancouver line was cheap enough to pair with another first line, any other first line, basically, you cannot pair the the Stamp Coast line with another first line. There's no—they're they're the exact opposite. They're—they're they're just too expensive. You don't have enough money.
0: Yep, and there are a lot of good first lines on this slate. So now we're going to get into. I guess, four consecutive games where the first line is definitely usable. So Nashville, Anaheim. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Gibson or Miller starting yet. They haven't announced it. But Anaheim is really, really depleted by injuries right now. Uh, Ryan Kessler's out. Getzloff is out. They don't have Raquel. I think he's either doubtful or questionable. So maybe he ends up back. But they also just traded Sammy Vadman for Adam Henrique. So that probably hurts their defense a bit too. Um, they just lost to oh, it was Columbus last night. The Blue Jackets beat him 4-2, and they, they had a win against St. Louis on the road before that. But they've given up a ton of shots in both of those games, so I think it's a bit of a mirage that they were able to keep those games close. And Nashville is really good at scoring, so I think Nashville 1 is one of the better first lines to use, but they're probably not my absolute favorite. Their second line, though, is probably more interesting— because they're really cheap. And with Kyle Turris now, their second line has been really good. Uh, Craig Smith and Kevin Fiala, those three guys together, have produced a lot. And you can probably pair them with some first lines and make it work within the salary. Uh, Nashville, one, is just kind of too expensive. So I like both of them, but I think I'll have the second line more.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. The second line, now that Turris is there, the, that kind of that's a good, cheap line that you could pair with a great number one and have a nice roster off of that. I don't wash Nashville enough. Um, they're never, they're never really on the national TV games. Um, oh, you know, I got to see the Caps play them when they smoked the Caps, but I don't, I don't watch Nashville enough to be able to comment on the value and the pricing of their one line. You know, I couldn't even tell you how many points Arvidsson has, but I, I mean, for the Ducks, you just got to kind of feel bad for them. No <laughs> Raquel, Eaves, Kessler, Getzlav. I mean, there's a couple more. It's Silverberg is out. Bol is out. Like. These are people, they have nine, I think they have none of their top nine forwards, or like one of their top nine forwards playing right now. Yeah, so that's the injury update
0: is uh, Raquel is doubtful and Silverberg is questionable. That's their current status for tonight.
1: That's, that's uh, They have lost more man games by a ton than any other team this year. It's actually outrageous how, how depleted all of their top six forwards are out.
0: And uh, this is the second night of a road back-to-back for them, too. So, an already tired team, it's going to be... This is a really difficult spot for them. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, as far as your point on Nashville's first line, there are definitely better scoring first lines, which is why I'm kind of off them a bit. Um, There's still teams we haven't gotten to yet with, I think, stronger first line potential. So, it really is that second line that I think you can pair with a more expensive first line because this is one of the better second lines in all of hockey. Maybe the best and... They're still just not very expensive. Um, Pecorine also at goalie. He's probably the safest goalie you can use tonight. He's the most expensive at 8300 But if he works within the salary constraints, I have no problem using him.
1: All right, what's our next game?
0: Okay, we've got the Coyotes and the Devils. This is my favorite game of the night. Um, I stacked you against... Love,
1: you love the Coyotes. I, I think... a huge Coyote guy.
0: I think the Coyotes are my favorite team now. I think they've surpassed the Rangers. I think I should just move to Arizona and go to all the Coyotes games. That'd be Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean lo- if losing's a new winning, they're doing very well. They are
0: really good at it. So, th- this is just a perfect matchup for them. The Devils played last night in Colorado, and Corey Schneider started. Schneider starts almost every game for the Devils, but second night of a West Coast road back-to-back. Uh, rode back-to-back, so they're giving him the night off. Keith Kincaid is starting, and that's a massive downgrade. I would say the Devils probably have the largest gap in talent between their starting and backup goalie of any team in the league. I guess it's mostly just because Schneider has been the best goalie in hockey this year. So whenever Schneider is out, you can really target the Devils, who are one of the worst teams in Corsi against, shot attempts allowed, expected goals against, which is goalie independent. So they just – they give up a lot of high-quality scoring chances and just a lot of volume. Um, They should be a little bit better defensively now that they just acquired Vatanen, But this is still a really strong spot for Arizona. And the other important point to note is that Arizona has – I think it's Dylan Strom is back from – is that – am I getting that right? Has returned from injury. So it's not him that I'm concerned with, but his presence in the lineup has actually gotten them to switch their lines around or at least – based on the morning skate uh, news that the beat writers put out, they're shifting their lines where Arizona for a while had their best players kind of spread out. But for tonight, Dvorak, Domi, and Keller are back together. All of those guys are on the first power play unit, so now there's some really strong correlation. I think this is actually going to be Arizona's second line, but those guys are really cheap and really, really talented, and I think I may just put that line in every single lineup tonight because it's by far my favorite line on the slate. Yeah,
1: so if if that you know if they keep to their morning lines, uh, morning skate lines, that is a great place to find value here. I think that you're absolutely right. Kincaid is a huge downgrade from from uh, Corey Schneider, and I could see Arizona putting up a nice number. And with the poor, uh, the added poor the power play comp uh, correlation, this is a great spot for Arizona. Definitely, definitely going to throw. Uh, so we have like a little bit of a different strategy. I always put together what my like what I feel in my heart and what I feel with the numbers <laughs> each night.
0: Um, yeah, we'll see which one ends up working better. I'm going to say the numbers yeah, ultimately prevail, but I, I won't absolutely. I won't argue with it much.
1: Absolutely. So I so earlier in the week I played two lineups on was it maybe Thursday night, and I just did terrible in the one that I trusted my heart with. And uh, in the one with the numbers, I finished nineteenth out of nine hundred and twelve people. And then yesterday, I just did one with numbers. and I finished second out of one hundred and
0: four. So we can see so, which way is working. <laughs>
1: yeah, so we can see we can see a trend here. But I'm like stubborn, and I want to think that I know enough about hockey that I can roll with it for a little bit longer. But eventually, I, I can see like, me fading out my uh, my heart lineup. But I like this as a num from a numbers uh, standpoint.
0: Well. I uh, I sort of get what you're saying, but for me, the numbers are my heart now. They're one and the same, so I don't need to make that distinction because my heart just says whatever the numbers tell me. So maybe you'll get to so that you,
1: point. So you, you went through this uh, this uh, revelation, you know, years before me when we were in college, and I I just am now getting into it. So I'm a, I'm a couple I'm a couple years behind you in uh, closing that gap between what the numbers say and what I believe I can see. I'm getting there. I'm getting there, but I'm not there completely. Yeah, just watch a couple
0: more uh, Jonah Hill scenes from Moneyball. You'll get there quicker.
1: Oh, I know. What a movie. (laughs) Um, So uh, do we like anybody on New Jersey? Probably not. No.
0: I actually think Scott Wedgwood is worth using. Um, He's only 6,900. I think he's the cheapest starting goalie tonight. And it is the second game of back-to-back for the Devils, so that does hurt their offense. They don't have Adam Henrique, so that hurts their offense. And I think there are a couple other guys that are hurt for the Devils. Marcus Johansson was out. Uh, he's now back in the lineup, actually. But Yeah,
1: With Brandon Gibbons is going out, though, and Palmieri is out.
0: Yeah, so they, they are a little bit hurt. And the Vegas line movement also supports Arizona a lot. They were at minus 105. Now they're up to minus 120, and that's with most betting on the Devils. 72% of the bets are on the Devils. So it's pretty strong reverse line movement, which is always a good indicator that the Sharps are on the team that's not getting much of the betting. So, sharp money on Arizona. The total for this game is five and a half or six. Plenty of goal output, but not too much that Wedgwood can't hold the Devils to a goal or two. Maybe even gets the shutout. So, I think he'll be pretty contrarian. Most people just don't use Arizona ever. And this is probably their best spot of the entire season. So, yeah, no one for me on Jersey at all. Some Wedgwood and just a lot of that Keller-Domi-Dvorak line.
1: The only reason I would not use Wedgwood is kind of what I was talking about before. Arizona has... Hardly any wins the entire season. And I know that the Devils uh, are very reliant on Corey Schneider, but they have won a, a couple Kincaid starts. So I'm not going to, I think I'm not, I'm going to, I think I'm going to avoid uh, Wedgwood just because I'm, I'm, I'm really a firm believer in you need the goalie bonus. You know, well, you, the last you know, point avoid- on that
0: is um, this is the first game, I think, the whole season the Coyotes have actually been favored. So I think it is reasonably likely that Wedgwood gets the win.
1: Okay. I, I, all right. Well, maybe I'll reconsider it. Uh, at, at my initial glance, I was I, I kind of was like, I don't want to touch this game from a goalie perspective at all. No, it's a, aiming, We're not playing Kincaid. Let's be
0: real. We're, I'm never playing Kincaid. Kincaid also is actually uh, the fourth most expensive goalie on the entire slate because the way that DraftKings usually prices it is that they just make the starter and the backup the same price. So yeah, Corey Schneider that. would have been expensive against the Coyotes. Kincaid at 8000 That's just... Psychotic. I, I mean, maybe he could end up having a really good game if he gets lucky, but you, you'd be crazy to roster him. That's like the worst value that there's ever been on a goalie. So, uh, yeah, don't use that guy. Uh, there uh, are, there sh- are a couple more. We... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, we shall move on. So there are two more games I really like. Uh, we've got three left total. The Hurricanes are taking on the Panthers at home. Second night of back-to-back for Florida. They just lost at home to San Jose last night. The Hurricanes, actually, neither team has announced a starting goalie yet, but Carolina's offense has been really good lately. The Ajo, Stahl, Terravinen line, I guess they've mixed it up a little bit, but Stahl and Ajo, especially, have been playing a lot better. And Florida's really bad defensively, and it's an especially good matchup if Reimer starts. So I think this will be kind of dependent on the goalie announcement because Luongo is sort of decent. Reimer has not been good at all. But Carolina, I think there's a lot of scoring potential here, and their first line's a lot cheaper than most other first lines they're kind of in that average mid price range, but you have first unit power play correlation there. So I think this is a really strong spot for them.
1: Yeah. I I definitely like Carolina here. My, my only issue with Carolina is that they've spread out their offense, um, a little too much for my liking. Like I would love, I would love this line if we had a Jeff Skinner, maybe up at, at center or something like that. Um, because two of their top offensive performers, Justin Williams and Jeff Skinner, this year are on the third line, and it, it just is hard to you know maybe maybe I go I'll go I could see myself going um, Carolina one, but I don't I don't love it. I definitely I definitely like the Arizona line um, over over this Carolina line, but if, if you're doing multiple lineups, it is a good idea to to have have them some of them.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. And if there's one player to use as a plug-in, maybe if you need a forward in a team stack for a different lineup and you want to use a forward from Carolina with another team, Skinner probably is the way to go. He's almost inarguably the best player on the Hurricanes. And even though he's on the third line, he still gets a ton of minutes. He plays power play, second unit he plays on the penalty kill, and he's just on the ice a lot. So I like Skinner, but yeah, he doesn't really correlate with anyone on Carolina. So you kind of just have to use him by himself if you're using him. So if I'm not using Carolina's first line in a lineup, I think Skinner's always worth considering, and yeah, it's an especially strong matchup. So he's uh, he's always a good play, and especially tonight.
1: All right, do we like anybody from uh, Florida?
0: No, no, no. yeah. Even if uh, Cam Ward starts for the Hurricanes, Carolina's defense is too strong that there's just there's not enough shot volume. I think for Florida, where they uh they can really do much and Evgeny Dadanov is out so that really hurts their first line with Barkov and Huberdo. I think if Dadanov was playing and Ward was in net for Carolina I would consider the Florida first line but in yeah with the current circumstances I have no interest in them
1: all right cool let's move on to the uh the last two games of the night right yep. Chicago but, Dallas Edmonton Calgary
0: yep so the last really strong spot uh The line movement favors Dallas a lot. Part of it is because Corey Crawford is on injured reserve now. But also, the public is on the Blackhawks' side for some reason. Uh, The Stars just have kind of struggled, I guess. They had mixed up their lines for a while, but Sagan, Ben, and Radulov are back together. And that Stars' power play is just absolutely lethal. So against Anton Forsberg, that's probably the second biggest gap between starting and backup goalie after the Devils, the drop from Crawford to Forsberg. So Dallas at home against this weakened Blackhawks team, there's a ton of expected scoring output here. And Dallas also, their scoring is really concentrated in their first line. They're pretty reliant on their power play. Sagan and Ben Rateloff are just three really, really good scoring players. So those guys with Klingberg, I think uh, that's going to be a route that I go with a ton. I think it's probably my favorite line to pay up for if you're going to go with an expensive team.
1: Are you uh, Are you worried about ownership here?
0: I'm not just because Pittsburgh is playing Buffalo at home and Tampa Bay is on the slate. So I still think Dallas will have reasonably high ownership, but I, I think they'll be either second or maybe third.
1: Okay, I, yeah, I agree with you completely. I, I love this Dallas line. I think if you pair him with Lindberg, who runs the point on the first power play, there is a lot of potential here. I know Chicago has been playing better um, the last few weeks, but it's a road game with the back of I, I do I do like this spot a lot for Dallas. Definitely going to make it into one
0: of my lineups. And Chicago's also been pretty bad killing penalties. I was on Dallas in their last game at Chicago, even when Crawford was starting. Um, That was more of a contrarian pick, not as much expected output there. And Dallas actually won the game in overtime, although the top line didn't do much. But the logic for using them partially was because the Blackhawks are one of the worst teams in the league at taking penalties. I think they're bottom 10 in penalty rate, and then their penalty kill has been pretty bad too. Uh, I think the number was they're ranked 25th in shot attempts allowed per minute on the kill. And Crawford kind of just bails them out in terms of penalty kill goals. They actually haven't allowed a ton just because Corey Crawford's been so good this year. But without him playing, all those extra shot attempts on the kill could turn into a lot of goals. So even even beyond just the specific matchup of the players, I think the way these teams play really favors Dallas too, where Chicago is bad killing penalties and Dallas is really, really good on the power play. It's just... It's kind of a nightmare scenario for Chicago
1: yeah I agree completely I don't think I don't I don't see myself playing anybody on Chicago I don't I don't really I don't really see any value in any of their players in this matchup and I really love that Dallas one with Finberg
0: and All then, right,
1: let's move on to well uh,
0: I'll let me mention Chicago. one more guy because I think Ben Bishop is one of the stronger goalies to consider at 7700 okay. he also correlates with the stars scoring I mean if they do well he's more likely to get the win bonus and Bishop has been sort of okay this year. It's um, I think it's it's a little bit too cheap of a price, and yeah, that correlation with the stars scoring just makes him—he's someone I'm going to use a decent amount of, just because I'll be using the stars' offense a lot.
1: Okay, I, I didn't even—I completely forgot about Ben Bishop. I didn't even, you know, think to look, think about Dallas goalies. The the stank of Niemi and, <laughs> and uh it just hasn't worn off.
0: Yeah, Bishop's um, better than those guys, but yeah, we can move on to our final game. That's Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, The news that we have that we just got fairly recently is that Talbot is hurt or resting or some combination. So Bressois is going to start, and that's caused the line to move quite a bit in Calgary's favor. So they've gone from minus 40 to minus 160, and the over-under was at six. Now it's almost at six and a half. So this actually rivals the Penguins number in terms of implied goals. And I think that the Johnny Hockey line will actually be really popular um, I might put them ahead of Dallas for ownership. Uh, Goudreau has just been unbelievable this year. He's always one of the more popular players on every slate. And then with Monahan and Furland, those guys all play on the first power play, so people are very high on using them. I'm probably going to be off them. They're a little more expensive than the Stars and the Hurricanes and definitely the Coyotes, even more expensive than the Predators. Um, but the, the uh, Calgary's second line is really cheap with Froelich, Kachuk, and Backlund. So I'm going to be looking there and then maybe use a little bit of the first line, but the second line is the preferred choice, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, that first line with how hot Johnny Hockey's been, he's up to 7500 It's a pretty steep price. Their total is it's pretty high. I uh, I love this place for them, though. I might just suck it up and deal with it and go with it. I know the ownership will be high and then try and find a... More of a contrarian pick for my second line, uh, that kind of separates me from what everybody else has. But I, I love this where this one is at um, playing the backup goalie. Edmonton's not very good to begin with, um, but I also agree. Like I might sneak the the second line into a lineup. Um, they're so cheap you can pair them with another top first line. There's there's really good value on uh, on Calgary for Edmonton though. I don't see any value in anybody on on Edmonton. They don't score goals on the road at all. I think they're scoring 1.9 or something on the road. Um, So I would just avoid Edmonton completely. What do you think?
0: Yeah, well, it kind of seems... The one thing that I think it hurts both teams, Edmonton's played more of, I think, a low-event game this year, and they've also spread out their lines. So that hurts the Oilers, but the low-event thing hurts Calgary. They're just... The Oilers aren't great defensively, but they don't give up a ton of chances because they've kind of been a conservative team. But yeah, definitely no interest in the Oilers because McDavid not playing with all That hurts their expected output. Maroon's actually playing with Nugent Hopkins. He's not with either of those guys. So Edmonton's lines are really spread out. Maybe they switch it up and McDavid goes back with Drysdale and Maroon. If that's the case, I would consider them. But yeah, I, I don't really like the way their lines look and their power play correlation. There's just none. It's spread out all over the place. And, yeah, I guess Calgary won. I mean, I would have some exposure there. I just—I like Dallas more, and Dallas is a little bit cheaper, and I think Dallas will be a little lower-owned. So if I had to pick, it's definitely the Stars, but there's no reason why I wouldn't use the Flames in some lineups if you're making a lot of combinations, because it's certainly a really good spot for them against a backup goalie. I I don't know. I kind of feel like the Vegas over-under is a little inflated, just because Edmonton has given up more goals than they should. And Calgary is just really highly valued by the public. So maybe there's just a lot of betting on the over that's made this total rise more than it should have. And that could lead to more uh, DFS ownership too, for the people who look at Vegas lines to make their lineups. So it's just, it's, it's a good spot for sure. I think there are better ones, but definitely that second line I like a lot. So I'll, it, I, again, I'm, I'm just going back and forth on this in my head. It, the second line for Calgary is kind of the same price as Arizona's first line, though. And to not use Arizona's first line just kind of seems crazy to me. Uh, whatever the line number happens to be, the uh, Keller line. Everyone knows the one we're talking about. The one that is my favorite line for the entire season. So The one that you...
1: The, but uh, all, uh, Only only rivaled by your, your, your love for that Vancouver one that's now been split up.
0: Yeah, I really did like that Vancouver line. Uh, I think, I've said this on previous podcasts, I'm not sure if you've heard this this rant or mini rant before, but the Horvat-Vesser-Bersti line I think has been in the winning lineup on DraftKings more than any other line combination by a mile. Uh, the mm-hmm. Stamkos line I think is sort of close, but it, it there was a while where the Horvat line would basically put up like, two goals a game, and because of their prices, if you pair them with the right expensive line, you just win. Uh, all my yeah. best nights this season, I've been using Vancouver. So, yeah, I mean, that line's great, but now they're split up. So Arizona is the new Vancouver, I guess.
1: Great. All right. Well, yeah, no, so I, I think we have some pretty good information here. I, I don't know who I love right now. I think we have some really good options that I'll need to look at You know, later on. But uh, I kind of got I to run, dude.
0: All right. Yeah. Good, good talking. Thanks for helping out with this hockey preview. I'll just summarize really quickly. Uh, I guess it doesn't need to be said again, but my favorite cheap lines are Arizona, probably Calgary's second line. And then for expensive lines, it's probably that Dallas line, maybe Carolina, maybe Nashville, um, maybe Calgary one also. So if you, uh, yeah, if you just skip to the end, that's the summary. And thanks for listening, everyone.